Yeah, college football is exciting. And you know what else is exciting? Professional football. We had another week of play. It was a crazy once again. I mean, I feel like I'm saying that every week, but it, it just is. It's going all over the place. I mean, just every game is exciting. I feel like no team is predictable. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to we're going to do this like we usually do. We'll uh, we'll go back and forth. Matt, you have any idea how we did this week in terms of our of our <laughs> guesses? I do. Um, I I improved to four and three, so I bounced back from the one and six week to four and three. So I'm twenty one and fifteen overall. Unfortunately, Jan, you went two and five this oh, week again. Oh. So, Jan, you're sitting at seventeen and nineteen. I'm at twenty one and fifteen. Uh, rough season, rough season. But you know, we'll get back to five hundred next one. Hopefully, 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 we'll see. Plenty of time. We'll All right, you want to start us off, Matt? Let's go with the game on your end. Sounds good. I'll start with my boys. They had the Thursday game this week. Kind of a simple game to go over because, you know, I, the one positive I think that Green Bay can take is the, just the connection of, of Aaron and Devontae being as dangerous as it is and, and look dangerous against the 49ers defensive backs. Unfortunately for the Packers and unfortunately for the Niners, probably even more so, the D-backs are, are kind of the only place they're not just depleted. This was Green Bay going up against a team that was – you know, a fragment of itself. So dominant win, 34 to 17, but but tough to really harp. You know, there's not a lot you can say bad that the Niners did, and, and you can't praise the Packers too much because they beat a team that, quite frankly, just wasn't all there. So good win, though. Yeah, I mean, very true, very true. Uh, dominant win, good win. But, yeah, you they were playing the 29ers, as I heard on radio one day. They were playing the 29ers. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, that's, that's what was going on there, and uh, can't fault them for that for sure. Uh, over to the Broncos versus the Falcons. Uh, the line on this one was Falcons by four. The Falcons did cover that one. They beat the Broncos 34 to 27. So that is by a touchdown margin. Uh, stop me if you've heard me this before. They had a 21 point lead and uh, that was in jeopardy going into the end of the game. <laughs> oh, Atlanta. I saw the owner on the sideline at the end of the game, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know how these games go. Get back up there. You don't want to be on the field, my friend. It's not going to end well. But, you know, they held on to it. They held on to the 21-point lead just barely. Broncos scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter with enough to tie it up. But a Todd Gurley score uh, in between all those touchdowns keeps the uh, Falcons uh, in the winning category in this game. Big performers. You had Matt Ryan, three touchdowns, 284 yards in the air. Drew Locke also played well again. You know, two touchdowns in the air. Led team on the ground with a running score as well. Jerry Judy, impressive rookie in Denver. Seven catches, 125 yards and one touchdown. And Zacchaeus uh, for the Falcons, four receptions for 103 yards, one touchdown. Stretching the field for Atlanta when they needed it. Falcons are 3-6 and six, and Broncos are 3-5. and five, Both still very much in it. They are. They are. And now the NFL talking about possibly making 16-team playoff this, this year. It'll it'll add even more uh, intrigue to the playoff race. I'm going to go to two teams that will not be in the playoff race, no matter how many teams they add to it. The uh, battle of the 1-6 and six AFC South teams, the Texans and the Jaguars. I, I don't know how the Jaguars do this, but they just seem to get a lot out of random Pac-12 quarterbacks. Um, first, Gardner Minshew. Now we got the ex-Oregon State Beaver, Jake Luton, going off. 304 yards and a touchdown for the Jags. Pretty solid day for your first start as a rookie backup. Uh, had a late two-point yeah. failure, but they were in this game the whole time. 
And it's it's just you know another time for as far as Houston's concerned that you just go uh, can we can we please get Deshaun Watson some help more and more I want them to go and just take Eric Bieniemy we've seen him have a, a damn good lot of success with one quarterback from the 2017 draft why not Deshaun Watson go get somebody that can maximize the immense talent that you have under center please Houston please right I mean the fact that Deshaun Watson's doing anything with the Texans. Uh, is laughable right now but good for him i mean he is persevering and regardless of if he stays with the texans or goes anywhere you know deshaun watson's gonna be a name we say for a while so he's uh, there but, for the next few years so let him be good right exactly exactly but jake luton was a great story in this one i loved his moxie coming into this game i mean he really he played like he was playing for a team that was not the jacksonville jaguars he was he was that's there just, for that's it. just what random pac-12 quarterbacks do Love it. We love to see it. And, you know, Gardner Minshew, did you lose your job in one game? My goodness. That's so funny to me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Houston gets a win. Good for them. Deshaun earned it. Uh, let's go to another pair of teams that I'm going to change the word you used. Shouldn't be in the playoff conversation no matter what, but they are. I think I know what division this is. It is the New York Giants and the Washington football team. Washington football team was favored by two and a half points. The Giants cover the spread. They win by three points, 23 to 20. You know, Giants had a 13-point lead going to the fourth quarter, uh, held onto it to secure their second victory. Big story in this one, Kyle Allen with an ugly dislocated ankle. If you saw it on TV, you looked away immediately. It was not pretty. Uh, Alex Smith coming in looks to be the starting quarterback from here on out. Definitely a comeback player of the year candidate just taking the field. Uh, but this game was trash. It was a five-field goal game between the two teams. Terry McLaurin had a good receiving game, seven receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown for the Washington football teams, including a 60-plus-yard score. But really, the other the team that won this game was the Giants' defense. It was five turnovers, including a pick off of Alex Smith three different times. Uh, you know, really good defensive showing by them. Giants are two and seven. Washington is two and six. And would you believe it? Neither of them is more than one and a half games behind the lead in the NFC East. And that is how the season is going. <laughs> of course they're not. <clears throat> of course, they're still right in the thick of things. Right in the thick makes of it. no this sense. A, this is a like the weirdest. Oh, God. God, it just, it just makes me just, just upset. Two wins. Two wins. <laughs> you should be going for the first round pick how do you go for the first round pick plus a, a playoff spot in the same season they're gonna be one of the first <laughs> all the teams in the nfc east are yeah it's uh it's a, a gross gross place you know what let's let's give the nfc east a, a little love here in the surprise game of the weekend even though the team that was expected to win won steelers dallas steelers 24 dallas 19 steelers were a two touchdown favorite yeah, I mean, just like the weirdest game of the year. Uh, classic 70s rival. They both have just had quite different seasons. I think everything that could go right in the Steel City has, while chaos has, has been the trend in Big D. But Dallas was in position to win this one, really spurred on by their special teams play. Uh, had a great kickoff return, just just good special teams throughout it, um, which was really making the difference because even though Garrett Gilbert played well, he, he wasn't quite a, you know, a stellar quarterback performance by the ex-Longhorn. Pittsburgh also special teams had a weird day. Chris Boswell could not make a PAT, but he also set the franchise record with a 59-yard field goal. So 
Not sure what the hell was going on with Chris Boswell that day, but in the end, Dallas shot themselves in the foot too many times and were the really poor team that we know them to be, and, and Pittsburgh survived. I don't think from Pittsburgh's perspective, you like look at this game and are like, oh no, we're actually not good because NFL teams don't go undefeated. The Steelers are going to lose. They're probably going to lose more than one game. And and I think that's more of what this game says about them instead of it being some big worry that they're not as good as we think they are. Right. This is like the Bills-Jets game where the Bills couldn't score a touchdown against the Jets. You know, that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just sometimes that happens. And I was hoping beyond hope that the Steelers lose their perfect season to Garrett Gilbert and the Dallas Cowboys. So close. It was so close. I would would have loved it. Everyone would become Cowboys fans overnight for sure. Uh, Well, Well. you're right. I I take that back immediately. (laughs) I I said it and it sounded gross coming out of the You're like, nope, nope. (laughs) No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Soap in the mouth, soap in the mouth. (laughs) Uh, My goodness. Um, yeah, but it was a good game, uh, regardless, uh, for the Cowboys to have at least, you know, not getting completely blown out by the Steelers, uh, is a good one. Uh, let's go to bears versus Titans, you know, bears five and three <clears throat> starting to show us that they were fakers rather than makers Titans having an up and down season, but they were still five and two coming in this one. Titans were favored by six and they covered that spread by one beating the bears 24 to 17 by a touchdown. You know, the Bears, it wasn't as close as the score says. The Bears had two late touchdown throws in the last five minutes. Uh, but otherwise, you know, Tennessee dominated this game. A.J. Brown, 101 yards in the air and one touchdown. Nick Foles, you know, decent game at the, with the ending coming, you know, 335 yards and those touchdowns at the end. But it was the defense for the Titans that really did well. Here's a good stat for you. They held the Chicago Bears to two of 15 on third down conversions and only 56 yards rushing. That's a good result for that Tennessee defense. Bears are five and four after an undefeated start. Titans are six and two. Man, I mean, how low do the Bears go in this one? They seem like they can't win a game. You know, they. I don't. I wouldn't take them against many teams, and and they're still five and four, so their season's not over, but it's getting there. Yeah, I mean, we, they finally started to kind of show their – it was weird with them because, like, I think we all didn't think they were that good, and then they got that win against the Bucks, and we're like, wait, are they kind of good? And it's it's going more to what we, we expected because Nick Foles isn't – as we said before, Nick Foles is not the quarterback that he was on that Eagles playoff run. It was, it was a mirage. It was a great three-game mirage, but the guy has proven in the other how 100 football games he's played in the NFL that that's not the quarterback he is. Um Things going differently for one NFC North team. The Vikings have been turning around, and, and it's all thanks to Dalvin Cook, currently the offensive player of the year in the NFL, just exploding Ooh, the last two cooking. weekends. He's it, cooking. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's cooking with fire. Uh, and, you know, the Vikings are back in the playoff race. They, they've got a schedule, that, schedule that's pretty favorable. Two games against those Bears. Uh, they got Jacksonville on there. Um, they do have to go to Tampa and New Orleans. But I think the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is is basically Jared Goff. And if Kirk Cousins can have play action, which when Dalvin Cook is playing like this, he will have play action. Kirk Cousins can play a decent game, just like Jared Goff. When you want one of them to throw you to victory, it's not going to happen. And you're going to see a lot of turnovers. But when you have a running game and Dalvin Cook does not look like he's going to be slowing down, then you, you help open up the field for those quarterbacks. You make the game simpler for them. and and 
then Cousins actually looks like an NFL quarterback. But uh, yeah, nice win for the Vikings here, 34-20. I was hopeful for the Lions this year, but it seems like they're – I mean, part of this was Stafford coming back. He wasn't clearly full health. Um, but I don't think the Lions are going to be a playoff contender, and it, I would have guessed this is going to be Matt Patricia's last year up in Detroit. Yeah, agreed. You know, we knew one of these teams was probably better than their record expected, and the other one wasn't. And uh, I think Dalvin Cook is the difference between those two uh, scenarios. You know, the Lions don't have Dalvin Cook. They have, you know, former Dalvin Cook. They have AP, but he is well past his prime. So, uh, yeah, good win for the Vikings. They are definitely in it. And I agree, you know, running game goes. Uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't look as bad as as we think he is. So uh, that's definitely something that can go down. Let's go to the Raiders versus the Chargers in a game that had an even spread going in. Raiders take the win 31 to 26. Kind of a surprising um, scoreline considering uh, how hot Justin Herbert had been. But, you know, you got to remember, it's not just about the quarterbacks. Uh, Herbert and Carr had a back and forth battle the entire game. They were definitely the top performers. Uh, Justin Herbert getting 326 yards and two touchdowns throwing Carr 165 yards, but also two touchdowns throwing. So it was extremely efficient. Uh, kind of the surprising stat line for the Raiders, Devonte Booker out rushing Josh Jacobs, uh, had 68 yards and one touchdown rushing, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs still had 14 carries and more carries, uh, and he still had a score, but that was a little interesting stat line. I thought I would bring up uh and keenan allen i mean the longevity of keenan allen what a receiver what a great receiver nine receptions 103 yards one touchdown seemed unstoppable at times down the field uh and the raiders are five and three chargers are two and six you know we keep thinking are the raiders fakers and they keep going back and forth between real and not uh uh, you know this game against the chargers is definitely not a statement win or anything the chargers are two and six and it's more like what can justin herbert do versus what you know what can the team do uh, but yeah, what do we think about the Raiders like in the AFC? I mean, they're five and three. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Raiders. I think the Raiders are a playoff team. We we saw them get that gritty win in Cleveland. Um, they had a great win over Kansas City. I mean, they're they're only KC's loss. the The New England game is, is the one game where you're like, it doesn't seem to quite make sense because now if there's two teams played, I I, I would expect the Raiders to be you know favorites in that game but um they've been good you know they've, they've got the nice win over the saints barely lost to the bills really their only like bad bad loss is is the buccaneers kind of blowing them out and that buccaneers team was was really feeling itself right there so they get the broncos they get the jets they get to play the chargers again so uh, a very manageable schedule in the second half and and i do expect vegas to be in the playoffs when the season is over right yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Derek Carr can throw. You know, he can throw when he wants to. He can leave oh, your yeah. world. I mean, behind. the guy, the guy was an MVP, like candidate a few years ago. So he, he's got the ability. Jan, I've, I've, I've got notes on your Patriots. Usually, I let you talk about the Patriots. I, I don't want to beat up on them too mad, but um, you can I, do it. I, I not, a, not it. a great, not a great game. You know, I, I unlike the Steelers game. This is a game that New England needed, and and they came out flat. Um, in the end, got the win, but like a close win against the Jets is is not really the what like when you need this win, you, they needed to come out and and just win the game, and they got by the the, the skin of their teeth. And um, I, I know I know this is a rivalry game, so there's always that aspect of it. 
but the Jets are also god awful. So I don't know how much of an aspect of it is that. But uh, thirty to twenty seven win. They did get the W. They luckily did not become the one blemish for that new. That that would have been the real as as you and me talked about after that game. That that loss would have been the real nail in the coffin. But uh, luckily, it didn't get that bad. Right. I mean. After the season we've had, I'm just happy we got it. I expect Nick Fault to miss that field goal. Let me just be completely honest here. I saw that field goal missing and us going to overtime and losing to Joe fucking Flacco. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, no, I'm just happy to grab the win. It was an ugly game. And, you know, it just shows that whatever this team has is not going to be what we have going forward. Patriots are going to have a higher than usual draft pick. They're going to get a quarterback that they can hopefully develop. We'll see if that's behind Bill. You know, I don't know if that's something he wants to do. Uh, yeah, that's the question. Now the question becomes how how many more years of, of Bill is there? Because, like, from his perspective, there, there's not anything else to prove. And this does feel like more of a rebuild than I think New England was hoping. Right. I mean, and I think more than what, yeah, Bill was definitely hoping. And he's the second oldest coach by one year. Pete Carroll's got one year on him. So I, I think that... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I definitely think that if if it's the right quarterback, he'd be willing to stay. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be difficult for, for him to be like, I want to start all over again, you know, being 68 years old and not having anything to prove anyway. So, you know, it, it, it'll be a developing story to watch. At this point, happy Cam got the win, you know, after after a rough couple weeks for him, uh, especially him being at the center of that Bills loss. You know, obviously Patriots aren't doing anything uh, playoff wise. Now I get caught in the I want a higher pick situation where I hope they don't do too well. But hey, you know what? I, I'm 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 ready for anything. If we lose out, we'll get a good quarterback. You know, if we win out, we make an improbable, you know, edge of the playoff run. You know, I I, I think I, I, I have conceded this season, so whatever happens, I'm I'm just rooting for the Patriots at the end of the day. I think that's I think that's a good mentality to have. <laughs> yeah, I can't have any other mentality. I'll lose my mind if I try to think too much about it. Uh that's just gonna have that, to that was that. my mentality. that was my mentality towards the Patriots as soon as I heard Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback that was supposed to save him. And I was like, Oh yep, that that season's done. Yeah. It's uh yeah. let's just move over to the Celtics, Boston. Yeah, but we got one good team all the time. You know, Celtics Celtics are going to be there. Don't worry. Uh, the Panthers and the Chiefs is the next game I'm going to talk about. Chiefs had an 11-point uh, uh, advantage here, and they won by two. They win 33-31 to 31 in a really surprisingly tight game with the Panthers. You know, it, it, Panthers had a 17-13 to 13 lead at half, but at the end of the day, Matthew, as per usual, Patrick Mahomes is simply too good to lose games simply because he's behind uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy two gloves doing well, 310 yards, two touchdowns in the air. He had nearly 50 passing attempts, which kind of surprised me considering Christian McCaffrey came back in this game, but you know, Christian McCaffrey doing a lot of his damage through the air. Uh, let's talk about him. He came back and he did not look like he missed a damn step. 151 total scrimmage yards, two yards down two touchdowns for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, really doing well in his comeback, injuring himself at the end of the game. We'll see how long he's out, if he's out at all. Hopefully he's not for Carolina fans' sake. Curtis Samuel doing well for the Panthers as well. Nine receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, on the Chiefs' side of the things, though, you had Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions for 159 yards, cementing himself, really, the best tight end in the game. 
Uh, Tyreek Hill had two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to seal it for the Chiefs. And last but first, Patrick Mahomes, 372 yards, four touchdowns, and a win that he earned himself. The Chiefs are 8-1 and one in my head, still the best team in the AFC, even if the record doesn't show it. That This week kind of made me you know, veer back to the Chiefs in that category. And the Panthers are 3-6, and six, obviously not out of it. Uh, especially with the Saints-Bucks game this week, kind of evening the field for that number two in the NFC, NFC South spot. But yeah, it was an interesting game, uh, but Mahomes pulls it out once again. Yeah, I, I mean, the Chiefs are... The Chiefs, too, they, they feel like the kind of team that's like, they know they know when they need to turn it on, um, which which can be, you know, dangerous at times, but I I, I think they're too smart. Like, they, they just know, like, the playoffs, it's, it's a different gear. Um, and I, I don't think they get concerned. I think they're. I don't think they're going to get you know concerned about every play. And I, I also don't think like if they don't get the top seed in the AFC, I don't think they're scared. Like I don't think Mahomes and that team is like we need to have home field throughout. Like I, I think they're confident to win every anywhere. Definitely still my favorite, even just to win the Super Bowl, let alone the AFC and the Panthers. Man, I'm, Matt Rule is a damn good coach. If the Panthers don't win another game, I, I would put him in the coach of the year talk because this team was supposed to be god awful and they haven't been they three and six it was not an amazing year but they've been in almost all those six losses those three wins or three more wins than a lot of people think thought they'd have uh nice to have McCaffrey back and and I'm excited to keep on seeing what Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady do in Carolina I think there's a bright bright future for them there um Ravens Colts the old battle of the Baltimore teams 24 to 10 win for the Baltimore Ravens not an overwhelming victory for Baltimore, but this was a battle between two five and two squads. I mean, like we would be talking about Baltimore much differently if, if they had lost this game. They're playing a, a very good defense in Indianapolis. As as normal this year, Phillip Rivers didn't quite do enough to really get them in the game against, you know, one of these elite teams. But um, <clears throat> Lamar Jackson does enough. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to see him kind of be more electric like he was last year, but as long as this team is still winning games and, and he's getting it done that way, that's all that matters. And, and they sit six and two right now with, with still a chance to win their division, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Ravens are going to keep performing. They're going to keep winning. We're going to keep having questions until we really see, like we said, the Lamar of old, which we're just not going to see because it's not the same team. Uh, and it's not, and Lamar's even came out and said, like, defenses are calling our plays on the line. So, like, people have just been studying him too much. So, that's that's what's happening. That's what you're seeing. So, I just think, you know, that's just what the, the storyline is going to be. Every win they get is going to be okay. That's what we distracted. What are you talking about? And every lose is going to be, is this the end of Lamar? Can he do it? That's just going to be the storyline, I think, for most of the games. You have to, you have to wonder, like, if, what other elements the offense would have tried to implement if they had a full off season and everything, because yeah, it is, it's very much the same offense as last year and NFL teams are too good. Like once they got your tape, they're going to catch up to that. So like it, nobody should be surprised. And I, I think the lack of off season to kind of maybe keep on evolving that offense has hurt Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. But still doing well, still six and two still, still there. So 
Uh, can't say too much about it for a team that quote unquote everyone has figured out, uh, and uh, we'll continue and to see who, how- who they lost to Kansas City and Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure I, I combined like 16 and one. So yeah, they yeah they're they're okay. They're just fine. You're right. You're right. We were hating on the I was hating on the Ravens a little too much, and Matt Matt knew what was going on. Uh, and the Colts again, they got a great defense. You know that's it. Let's like let's be honest. They got a great defense, and that's it. It's so upsetting too, because like it's literally last year, and everyone was like, "Oh man, the Colts such a good defense, and like kind of a solid running game." Like if they had good quarterback play, and then you're like, "Oh, go get this veteran, Philip Rivers," and it's the same exact quarterback play you had last year, with probably an even improved defense to last year. Yeah, definitely improved defense, but not improvement in the quarterback department. All right, let's talk about. Not the game of the week we thought it was going to be, but the game of the week it definitely ended up being. The Dolphins versus the Cardinals. You know, the storyline being Tua Tungavailoa against Kyler Murray. You know, two, obviously, top quarterback picks. And, you know, the Cardinals were favored by four and a half. And there's a reason. is because the Cardinals had the high-scoring offense. You know, they got they got the good quarterback. They got DeAndre Hopkins. But they lose 34 to 31. Tua gets the upset, and the Dolphins are legit. You know, the question remains does Kyler Murray, kind of like Russell Wilson in this in Seattle, does he do too much for the Cardinals for the Cardinals to rely, you know, to win just on his back? Because let me tell you the stats. You know, Tua, let's talk about him first. Had a great like first real game that he really threw in. 20 to 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, really solid effort for him. Kyler Murray had 283 yards and three touchdowns in the air and then had 11 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown on the ground. You know, Christian Kirk, five receptions, 123 yards and one touchdown. Dondre Hopkins was keyed in on, so Christian Kirk was able to have a bigger game in this one than usual, but was not enough for the Cardinals. Dolphins win in a back-and-forth game. They, they come in the fourth quarter, really grab the victory with a touchdown and a field goal. Dolphins are 5-3. and three. Knocking on the door of the Bills, can they be the main competitor out of nowhere for uh, for the AFC? And for the AFC, you should be scared because the Dolphins have a lot of picks coming too. They're going to get Jalen Waddle probably they have, in there. They have a lot of picks and they have a lot. What's probably even more dangerous for them right now than picks is they have a lot of cap space. Yeah. They signed up. Gonna... They have a lot. They have a lot given to those those cornerbacks, but otherwise, they, they nowhere else is is they do they have a lot of money invested. This team has. They're playing they're playing with house money right now. Yeah, it's dangerous. Dangerous for the AFC, dangerous for the AFC East, dangerous for the NFL. They're five and three. The Cardinals still five and three with that loss. Uh, you know, it would have been a good win for them given their hard division, but the Dolphins are a good team. You gotta say it. What do we think? Dolphins, Cardinals. Yeah, wasn't it? It was an interesting one and and, and you you almost have to wonder if like the lack of Tua really being an impact against the Rams really, really helped the Dolphins here because what did the Cardinals have to go on that, you know, it, it wasn't much of a performance in his one NFL start. So maybe they under like valued what he was going to do or what he could do. And, and you can't really blame him for that because he wasn't all that impressive uh, in his first start, but extremely, extremely impressive in this battle. Such a fun game. The Dolphins are, are absolutely playoff contenders. We'll see if they can push the bills who we'll talk about here in a second. But um, yeah, I think I think both these teams, even with the loss for Arizona, like if you're an Arizona or a, a Miami fan, you have to be very excited, not just for the possibility of, of a playoff run this year, but the future looks bright with those guys under center for you. Um, another AFC East with a bright future in quarterback is the Bills. 
we we disagreed on, on how this game would go, Jan, Seattle against Buffalo. The Bills were able to get it done, 44-34, to 34, one of the marquee matchups here as the Seahawks really trying, tried to attempt to show they're the best team in the NFC, while the Bills still trying to show that they're a true contender. I, I think everyone's like, oh, they're good, but are they that good? They were that good in this game, but I think mostly it was just a, a terrific coaching plan. They, they attacked the Seahawks perfectly. They targeted their weaknesses, a, a porous defense, and Russell Wilson having to do too much. Russ had two picks, while Josh Allen, over 400 yards, three touchdowns, he was throwing wherever he wants. And when you see a defense give up the yards and the points that the Seattle Seahawks defense does, I don't know how you can expect Russ to lead this team on a playoff run because they can't stop anybody. And if I'm the Rams and and Sean McVay this week, forget what I normally say about Jared Goff. Throw the damn ball with Jared Goff. Jared Goff will have 300, 400 yards against this team. So Seattle needs some help. I don't know maybe if they just need to get more pass rush, but they need to improve that defense if they want to match the skill that the offense has. Right. I mean, I, I agree. A great coaching plan. Uh, you know, I, I still, you know, the Bills have still back and forth. I, I Of course, I think they're an AFC contender, and I think they'll be good in the playoffs. But I think this game showed me about Seattle. And the reason I disagreed with you is because I still had faith that the Seahawks defense, while they were bad, were not atrocious. And Matt, they're atrocious. I mean, this game, not only do I think they're not as good as they I thought they were, I don't see them as a contender. I uh, They will make the playoffs, don't get me wrong, but I do not see the Seattle Seahawks as a contender. How is Russell Wilson supposed to be expected to put up 48 points a game in order to win? Not to win by a lot, but to win at all. Just a he win, has, yeah. I mean, yeah. all their wins early, were they were escapes, like you said. Right, exactly. They're the Dallas Cowboys, but Russell Wilson is better than Dak Prescott. That's the only difference. That's what <laughs> they were it able is. To, the ball just bounced a little, a little more in their favor. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's it. And Russell Wilson did get injured, obviously. But, like, yeah, the, the Seattle Seahawks, unless there's some big change – that that you're going to convince me of. I don't care about DK Metcalf as good as he's been, and I don't care about Russell Wilson as good as his MVP season has been. They're not a Super Bowl contender. They're not. Because as soon as that team has to go against an NFC playoff contender, can you imagine what Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to do to that t- secondary? I mean, he might catch seven touchdowns. He might have 500 yards. I wouldn't put that out. He's going to break every record possible. I mean, they haven't. I'm yeah. That's just what it was. At that this is what that game showed me. I'm not. Seattle will win more games. They'll have. They'll be over 500. They might even win the NFC South. But they're not a playoff contender. That you know, it's going to be a team that gets upset and everybody's like, oh my god. And it's like no, because their defense is trash and they can't perform like that down the stretch. Uh, maybe something changes. Probably not. But you know, you never know. Some it's half midway season. There's still a lot that can happen. But for now. Bills get an important win with Dolphins coming back up. If they had lost that game, it would have been a lot more interesting as well. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Dolphins, Bills, and the AFC East throughout the end of the game, uh, at the end of the end of the year, as long as Tua can stay healthy and play uh, as consistently as he had with the Dolphins' defense being good as well. Uh, in the game of the week, and I laugh at that, the game of the week that we picked, wow, was not. I mean, it was the game of the week for one of those teams. <laughs> Let's just say it was. Uh, the Saints playing the Bucks in what was supposed to be the NFC South showdown. Obviously, they played each other already this season. The Saints grabbing a win in Brady's first game in the Bucks uniform. 
Uh, but, you know, the Bucks had looked good. They got Antonio Brown for the first time. You know, the defense looks formidable. Drew Brees, he hasn't had his full offensive getup yet. You know, what is this game going to be? Well, let me tell you what this game was. It was an absolute slaughtering. It was it was silence of the lambs, and Brady was in a pit yelling from the top. I mean, that, that that's that that's what was happening. I, it, oh my god! Was, yeah, that's what I'm it was. Ima- I'm imagining Tom Brady in the bottom. Tom Brady yeah. puts the lotion on itself. <laughs> yeah, seriously though, that's what it says. It's it was uh, you know credit to the Saints they did well, but they beat the Bucks thirty eight to three. At halftime, it was over. And by over, I don't mean, oh, it looked impossible. They were 31-0 up. They were 31-0 up. The Bucs didn't score a touchdown in this one. Ryan Suckup had his first chance for points with six minutes left in the game. I mean, the, the Saints defense picked off Brady three different times. The Bucks' lead rusher had three carries for nine yards. Granted, that was gameplay, but still. You know, Mike Evans was the top receiver, which was great for me in fantasy, kind of, but it was only 64 yards. I mean, they couldn't do anything against the Saints defense. And the Saints Saints offense, you know, doing well. Drew Brees throwing four touchdowns. People saying he's past his prime. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You know, this, I mean, maybe the Bucks defense isn't what we think they are, but he looked pretty damn good to me. Michael Thomas in his return, five reception, 51 yards, but really spreading the ball out well. Touchdowns to Traquan Smith, to Adam Troutman, to returning Emmanuel Sanders, to Josh Hill. He really spread the ball. Taysom Hill coming in, doing some good work as well. Alvin Kamara getting a touchdown. But, I mean, this game was over at halftime. This game was over at the end of the first quarter, it looked like almost. It it was an absolute unraveling uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, One wonders, you know, they'll come back from this. They'll still make the playoffs. But, like, one wonders, like, what does this do for the NFC South race? Yeah, I mean, now Seattle's or pardon me, now New Orleans is right back in the in the driver's seat there. It was really surprising to me, especially because, you know, I talked about how different kind of their their seasons had gone since that opening win for New Orleans. But um it, it kind of looked like a team maybe with Tampa that it almost like kind of the same thing that happened with Green Bay when they played Tampa of a, a team, you know, starting to sip the Kool-Aid of their own success and and believing believing in the success just in itself instead of like actually executing to get that success um, because they just kind of got hit, hit in the mouth. And as Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face uh, and, and <laughs> get ups talked about a lot this week too, you know, six rushing attempts, the, the least amount of rushing attempts in NFL history that being the least about anything in NFL history, it, it's been around for a while. I mean, I think they've recorded that stat for over 80 years. So a team that kind of – I don't think it's a, a super – man, Tampa actually sucks. But it was a, it was a shocking win, and, and New Orleans was able to highlight some of the, the deficiencies that Tampa does have. Yeah, definitely. Good results for the Saints. Bad result for the Bucks. Again, it's midseason. Still lots of football to be played. In our next episode, we'll go through the games, what we expect from that. Hopefully, I can get a little bit more of a stranglehold of this – because it's not been going well. But you know what? That's the season for me in football. Pats aren't doing well, and I'm not either. But uh, to kind of finish us off here, man, here we go. We've got one of the best sporting events of the calendar year starting off. If you're listening to this, it's today. Uh, for Unlike us, it's any other. Unlike any other. It is the Masters in Augusta. 
you know, it, it's going to be so exciting to watch. Lots of storylines here. I'm going to go through a couple of them. Obviously, Tiger Woods, the reigning champion, you know, had a crazy, amazing emotional victory in 2019. He's had an absolutely embarrassing, dismal 2020. But we've said it before, and you've said it before specifically. The Masters is what he's here for. He trails Jack Nicholas by one championship at Augusta. And even though he's had just a terrible season, I wouldn't want to put money against him. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't put money for him. I would not want to put money against Tiger Woods at the Masters, no matter how bad his season has been. And uh, we'll see if he can defend it. The big talk of the tournament, Bryson DeChambeau, he really bulked up uh, and, and, and you know, kind of from the horse's mouth, bulked up to win majors. You know, he won the U.S. Open for the first time, won at winged foot. He's got a great long hit game, uh, and that kind of helps you dominate at Augusta. He plays well in bad weather, which is supposed to be a good thing this weekend. So it kind of feels like it's lining up for a Bryson DeChambeau win. Does that mean he will win? No, because we never, because we never, the person we expect to win never wins. But maybe, you know, maybe this is Bryson DeChambeau's uh, year for the green jacket. We shall see. Another uh, player kind of in the mix, Xander Schauffele. He finished second at the Masters last year behind Tiger. Obviously, no one remembers who finished second uh, at the Masters, but if you're wondering, it's Xander Schauffele, and he's also finished in the top 10 of the last four uh, majors he's played in, uh, and sorry, top 10 in, the, in four of the past six of the majors he's played in, and past six of the past nine. So he's been in the top 10 a lot in the last couple majors. So he's kind of knocking on the door a long time. Is he due for a win? A lot of people think he is. Uh, he's been on the up and up. Uh, and finally, John Rahm, you know, he, he's he been playing well all season. He was number one at one point this summer. He can play at the majors. Uh, his his past three finishes at the major tournaments uh, at, at the Masters, 27th uh, in, in his 2017, 4th in 2018, 9th in 2019. So he can play at Augusta more specifically. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that viral video of him hitting the water hole in one recently on his on his practice try, but... So he's he's obviously feeling it. Uh, if you haven't watched that video, he hit a crazy hole in one. You should definitely watch it. Uh, but yeah, those are kind of the four names: Tiger, Deshambaugh, Shaufala, and Rom. You've obviously got Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas. You got DJ, Colin Marikawa. But Matthew, I want to hear from you. Who's going to put on the green jacket at the end of this weekend? Yeah, I mean, the, the Masters is a special tournament because it's the only major that does not change. You know, every every single other one goes to a new course every year, every year, every tournament, not not the Masters. It's always in Augusta. And and that part of it, you know, favors the veterans. It, it's a reason why Tiger Woods last year, even though he wasn't playing good golf then, was still able to come in and, and play good golf because he knows that course he knows those greens. He knows those fairways like the back of his hand. And the more that you play that course, the better you play it. So it, it's not a course that that favors the young. Like you said, Deshambo, the favorite, the betting favorite at, at plus 750. DJ right behind him at plus 850. As you said, Rom's already dazzled, had that great warm-up base. There's Rory and Brooks who, you know, kind of determined to kind of salvage a season where that they haven't had the hardware that they normally expect. But it feels like a tournament that someone more out of nowhere comes. I, I, I'm I not going with DeShambo. Um, I think his strength favors him more in other majors than it does with Augusta. Um, so my two favorites are I'm going to go with Justin Thomas, who's I think he's about the, the fourth or fifth favorite on this one at plus one, one, uh, one 200. 
So or 1200, pardon me, plus 1200 for Justin Thomas. And then I, and then I don't know why, but I'm going to go with Justin day as another guy I'm looking out for. I, I just don't think it's going to be one where we see these normal kind of young guys that are doing well, because that's not how the masters plays out. Um, just Jason day. It's, it's been a while for him. Hasn't won a major since 2015. Best finish at the Masters is second, and that was back in 2011. But I- I'm going to be crazy with it. I'm going to go Aussie, 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 and take Justin Day, Jason Day, and Justin Thomas as my Masters picks. Right. I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off of that. I I agree. Like the Tiger Woods storyline, we're hoping, and uh, we talked about this off off uh, podcast. But me and Matt plan on getting um gentlemanly smashed um should he uh should he win this tournament and, as one uh, does yeah there you go um it, it and uh, we'll definitely talk about that if it happens it'd be historic but what better to happen in this historic year for sure uh, last, person, also- last person to win back-to-back ma- masters was tiger back in uh 2000 2001 i believe 2001 2002 pardon me I have a question for you with the season that Tiger's been having this season, the seasons he's having, if he wins the masters, do you think he's done? Uh, I don't think so because then he'd be so close to, but he could win another one though. You think he could win two? No, but I didn't think he was going to win the one last year and I don't think he's going (laughs) to win the one this year. So he ties it. No, I don't see him walking away. I see him keep on doing. I mean, that's why Tiger doesn't play that much. He's like, I'll play when I need to like, he, the fact that he doesn't play year round, it, it's not like he has to retire, you know? That's that's true. Given the game and given his schedule, I, it's definitely possible. But uh, I'm hoping Tiger wins, obviously, for the storyline. My picks uh, uh, at the number two pick for me, I'm going to go with kind of an upset name as well. I agree. I think given the year, it's just going to be someone we don't expect. I'm going Patrick Cantlay, who's had a great season as well. I think that he could impress and keep it close in Augusta and grab that lead. And for some reason, this isn't an upset pick, but <clears throat> it's not like the best season. And you mentioned him already. I see Rory McIlroy winning this. I have no, I don't, I don't really know why, but I just feel like he's got the experience and he he's he needs a win. And I do see Rory McIlroy maybe getting this one. You thought maybe the U.S. Open, it wasn't to be, you know. I think maybe here he gets that green jacket at the end of the day. It's a more manageable course. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, regardless. We're, we're in for an exciting couple of days of golf. Be following it closely. Follow our social media pages. We'll be keeping you updated for sure. But that is what we have. Augusta. Oh, Augusta. Thank you for coming. We'll be excited to watch you. And now we are in the cool down phase. Ooh, damn. Yeah, there it is. There it is. All right. We're going to start with our historical fact of the day. I'm going to start us off. Uh, I've got another sports fact for you here. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, it, it's not, I, I wanted to go with something that's cool rather than that's historical, like historically important. Uh, Mark Hughes, a, 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 uh, 80s, uh, so- uh, soccer player from Wales on this day in 1987, Mark Hughes played two games in the same day. He played an early morning European championship game for Wales in a win over Czechoslovakia in Prague, and then got on a plane and flew over to Germany to play in a 3-2 victory for Bayern Munich over Dortmund in the Cup on the same day. And that happened, one of the only times it's ever happened, someone playing two games in one day uh, in terms of two different professional leagues. That's Mark Hughes today in 1987. That's amazing. That is uh, That's crazy. Exhausted. 
he's like, what am I doing with my the life? next day? He's like, I'm taking the day off from working out. Okay. It's going to, it's going to be my cheat day tomorrow. Yeah, that's fair. That's a cheat day he earned. I think, think I earned it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I did go historical, kind of the obvious historical fact of the day. The 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, the Great War ends. It is Armistice Day, 5 a.m. in the morning in Compiègne, France. The First World War ending when the Allies and Germany signing the armistice in a railroad car. Uh, First World War left 9 million soldiers dead, 21 million wounded, 5 million civilians passed from disease, starvation, or exposure, uh, a a war that has defined our our modern world. You can trace back most of of the implications of the modern day to Gavlivro Princeps' assassination of Franz Ferdinand, but today we celebrate the end of that great war with Armistice Day. Uh, see, me and Matt are so on the same page because I knew Matt wanted to talk about Armistice Day and I'm like, I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to talk about my little cute historical soccer fact and that's what's going to happen. So uh, I'm glad take that worked the, out You take the way. fun fact for the day. Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I'll take the fun fact for the day. Of course, sure. in, the, in my weird perspective, the, the Armistice Day one is the fun fact. Oh, no, you know let what? me talk about war. <laughs> I knew you wanted hey, to, though. I absolutely okay, knew you wanted to. Nerd. Oh my goodness. We love it though. We love your history nerddom. It's, it's, I am what it's, I am, baby. You are what you are for sure. All right. Really quick before I go into uh, one of the cool questions I had for today, uh, I'm going to start a new segment here. It's called Happening Right Now. And I just want to get your reactions about a couple of things that have happened just as we've been recording. Reports say that Russell Wilson has verbally said that he wants out of the Houston Rockets. He says he wants to be the floor general James, role. James Hart? Oh, wait, Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook. Okay. Russell Westbrook says hey, he Russell wants Wilson. out. Russell Wilson? No, Russell Westbrook, for sure. Uh, wants out of Houston. Where do you think he ends up? 76ers seems to be an interesting spot for him. But where, what do you think, Russell, Russell Westbrook? Well, I mean, if, if you go 76ers, then you got to get rid of Ben Simmons. Um, because you're not the you're not the floor general of Ben Simmons is there. Like Ben Simmons is not an off ball player. I don't know. It, it's going to be a tough one to move. I am not surprised by this in the slightest. I always thought the trade by Houston was stupid because James Harden and, and Westbrook are too similar in how they need to operate. Yep. But um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where Russ goes. Russ is a great player. He's also a very very tough fit. He's a guy that that wants to have the ball in his hands as much as possible. That's why he grabs so many rebounds because he want he wants the ball. It's not just that he's good at it. He wants to go get it so that he's controlling it all. So he, he he's a tough guy to fit with people. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get him somewhere because it's also a, you know, a contract that I think is near 40, at least $30 million. So that also adds some, uh, you know, hurdles in, in making a trade happen. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, Speaking of Russell Westbrook, his old team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, have found their new coach. They are promoting assistant coach Mark Daniel, I think his name is. I can't really pronounce it. It is French sounding, uh, but he is the new OKC head coach. Uh, You know, kind of surprising. People thought, you know, who wants to be OKC's coach? They had a good team despite losing Westbrook. Uh, last season. So what do they do this season? Uh, do we have any thoughts about Mark? I, I ought to be completely fair. I'm going to, I'm going to eat crow on this one. Don't know who this guy is, Mark Daniel. So uh, any thoughts about this hiring? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very Oklahoma city thunder. It's very, it's very Sam Presti of just kind of keeping it, keeping it in the, in the organization. 
Um, I, you know, it, it's an interesting one. I think for the team they have right now, it, it's a good one to, you know, you keep that consistency with the, the young players that you have. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. It's always fun to see, you know, like, especially with pro sports, a lot of times you, you like always know the, the guys that are getting hired and such. It's like somebody that's been a head coach or, or what have you. So kind of fun to see a guy that we, we don't know a ton about getting his, his shot as, as a first time, well, second time head coach. He was, he was the Oklahoma city G league head coach the last um, five seasons, I think b- before joining uh, as an assistant in 2019, but uh, congrats, congratulations to him. And, and we'll see what, uh, what he does with OKC. Right. And I promise to know how to say your name when OKC is playing. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about you a lot. Don't you worry. And now some congratulations to throw around. It is uh, official for the Cy Young winners for the AL and NL of the MLB. Shane Bieber winning the AL Cy Young, first unanimous winner since Justin Verlander in 2011. I mean, we talked about it going into the World Series, uh, into the uh, playoffs. Uh, he was 8-1, and 1.63 ERA in a 60-game season, led the MLB in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. He won the pitching triple crown. No surprise there. And in the NL, you got Trevor Bauer winning the NL Cy Young. You know, an in, uh, very interesting uh, season for him, but led the NL with 1.73 ERA, third in the MLB with 100 Ks. He's the first red Cy Young winner in franchise history. Uh, kind of uh, surprising that both Cy Young winners ended up being uh, disappointing uh, in terms of playoff production, uh, especially with Shane Bieber. We thought we could he could do something against the Yankees. He was not able to. But congratulations to those Cy Young winners. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they both were very deserving. Um, need, no surprises from the NL or AL. Both those guys were were kind of the best pitchers um, throughout the year. I, I, you know, maybe you look at, uh, at the Rays guys, but I think the Rays just like – since there was kind of some consistency throughout and, and really a lot of good pitching from top to bottom. Sometimes that, that hurts you, but um, a congratulations to those guys. Jan, I have to bring up something now because it happened today as well. And maybe you were going to bring it up, but it, I'm not sure you were, and I have to do it. Not only are the Iowa Hawkeyes ranked number five in the AP college basketball preseason poll, their highest ranking of all time in the AP poll. Luca Garza today was named as the first preseason All-American, and I believe Hawkeye history. I know he's the only unanimous preseason All-American this year, and I know for a fact he's the first unanimous preseason All-American in Iowa history. So congrats to the Hawkeyes, and congrats to Mr. Luca Garza. Cannot wait to see what you guys do this year. I did not I did not know that. So that's this is why we do this. This is why there's two of us. So one of we don't miss anything between the two of us, uh, and good to hear some good news at a Hawkeye basketball camp. Uh you know, we've been talking about Hawkeye football. We'll get more annoying as they get more wins. But I'm letting you know we're not going to be any any more annoying than we're going to be with basketball this year. I mean, we're going to be go. We're going all the way, baby. I'm going to be in, I'm going to be insufferable. Like we're going to go all the way. I never would have thought Iowa would be ranked number five and have a unanimous preseason All American. Like it, it, in football, I would believe it. Never in my life in basketball. So insanely excited for the season. It's going to be a great one, a great one that was kind of stolen from us last season. We're going to get it this season. We really are. It's going to be excited. Uh, 
either way. And the last thing I'll say, which was not as exciting, but still something to mention, uh, Sergio Ramos played his 176 Spain game to go level with Gigi Buffon for most appearances for European nations. So congratulations to Sergio Ramos, uh, obviously a player uh, for the storybooks there. One last fun question for you. We talked about the weather changing. You know, it's November, but it's hot here and it was cold a couple. What do we feel? What is Matthew Smith like in terms of cold weather versus hot weather? What what is your preference there? I feel like I I lean towards like chillyish weather. Like like fall, like fall is my favorite. Like I think probably like 50s to 60s, you know, you can throw a jacket on, a sweater on. I always think like colder weather is a little easier to deal with. But then like, you know, if you're talking like extreme cold, I'd probably rather be extremely hot. But yeah, I, I, I'd lean towards a little, a little cooler air than, than hot. There you go. That's. An I don't think I can. Li- I don't think I can live in Miami. Say. <clears throat> yeah, my thing is I hate sweating unless I'm actively trying to sweat. That's my thing. Like, yeah, exactly. If, if I'm working out, yeah, bring on the sweat. Bring on the. You know, I get that. I'm here for it. But if I'm not trying to sweat and I'm sweating, especially in New York. Gross. That's what I'm saying. And I'm definitely a layer guy as well. So fall appeals to me. I'm going to go cold because I love just being able to kind of gauge layers. Uh, and, and that's kind of I got a I nice collection of sweatshirts and jackets. And that's why I love the, the like chillier weather. Right. Exactly. And I can go inside always. I can go inside always. That's always the, the, the benefit to uh, of cold weather you have to uh, with hot weather sometimes the ac is not working you know with cold weather it's probably a little hotter inside regardless yeah that's true yeah i think like i think the cold is easier like when it's really really cold i think it's easier to escape than when it's like really really hot and you're just like my whole room is still sticky and gross where like if your cold room's got a cold you're just like i'll just throw a sweatshirt on and like some sweatpants exactly one is like oh i'll just bundle up a little bit the other one's like can i take off my skin yeah. Can I take off my skin? I'm sticking to all of my furniture. That's so what gross. the hell? Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let's get us out of here with some quick fire questions, Matthew. You are on the hot seat. And since we talked a lot of football today, both college and professional, we got football-themed quick fire questions for you. All right. Justin Fields, we talked about leading in the Heisman race. He'll probably won't be the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence will most likely be the number one pick uh, come NFL draft day. So Justin Fields probably falling to the number two. Who do you think needs Justin Fields more? The Jacksonville Jaguars or the Washington football team? I would say Jacksonville. Um, I think Washington has some good weapons. I think Washington has a very strong defensive line. Um, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Terry McLaurin. So I think there's more pieces in Washington to, you know, I've, I don't know if they have any faith in Dwayne Haskins, but but still to kind of build around a quarterback where the Jags are the Jags are missing quite a lot. So I think Justin Fields, a guy that can do a lot both with his feet and and the passing game, one of those players we talk about that that you would hope can make up for the deficiencies elsewhere in your team. So I'll go Jags. Okay. So no love for Jake Luton. Jake Luton had a good game, but it's it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I do not think Jake Luton is the quarterback for the future. I don't think Gardner Minshew is the quarterback for the future, and that guy's actually gotten like ads and stuff. But like clearly, the Jaguars don't think he's going to lead them to a Super Bowl, and I don't think many of us do either. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Is it sad that as bad as the Jets are, I would rather end up with the Jets than the Jaguars? 
Like, I don't no. know why. I just, I'm just. I'd rather think. end up with the Jets. It's still going to be in New York. I don't want to go to Jacksonville. Yeah, that's true. Being a hell place playing for a hell team. That's not what anyone wants. That's not, not what anyone wants. Especially Ugh, like, like, the, like the Jets are a disorder, like a, a franchise that clearly is in disarray. But like the Jaguars, like all their best players are like, please get me the hell out of here because this place sucks. This place is a pit where people die. Please let so, me leave. I'll pass. There you go. All right. Who goes to a Super Bowl first? The Dolphins or the Chargers? The Dolphins being led by Tua over the next couple of years, you would expect, and the Chargers similarly with Justin Herbert. I, I would go Dolphins because not even so much of like Tua over Herbert as, as much as I just think the Dolphins are more like they're, they're set for a rebuild. As you said, with the picks, we talked about the cap space. The Chargers aren't like didn't like full reset. Um, Anthony Lynn has still, you know, been the coach for a few years there. Um, still have like some more veterans there. So I, I just think like the dolphins are such at a like bottom neutral of, to be able to grow up that I go dolphins. There you go. Miami, you heard it here. You're going to the super bowl. All right. And I just, say, <laughs> I just said they're going to the super bowl before the chargers. <laughs> Yeah, but this is this is the era of grabbing the headline and running with it, all right? This is where sure. we are. This is where we are. Oh, my goodness. All right, and finally, who is more likely to be on their team forever? Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals or Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, gosh, in this day of age, probably neither of them, but... I'll go. I'll go Burrow because I feel like he's an Ohio. He's an Ohio kid, so like being in Cincinnati, it means a lot to him. It's you know near his hometown and such. And I also just think like the Bengals, the Cardinals are like a. I don't know. I, I think the Bengals would just be like so like we can't let this quarterback go. <laughs> like we like we can't. We would. We're not. This is not going to fall in our laps again unless we have an, another. You know several decades of losing. So maybe that's more my belief too, that the Bengals would be like, we we're not getting Joe Burrow's not leaving this franchise. Right. Yeah. I kind of picked Joe Burrow too, but only because I think Kyler has been playing well enough where, you know, they're expecting Arizona to do things quicker because of him. And so it'll come down to, Oh, is Kyler the quarterback that can take us there faster? And so I think, you know, if he can't, then he'll leave. Obviously if he can, he'll stay, but you know, that's kind of kind of be the thing. And I agree. In, the, in this day and age, when Brady's paying for the Buccaneers and Rivers is playing for the Colts, no quarterback is safe uh, for sure. Unless I don't see I don't see either of them. That, like, I mean, they're both going to be playing. They're both going to be the starters in a decade. You ask me that question in a decade time. They both will still be the starters in Arizona. Like they, those guys have shown enough. They're about to get a big ass contract and, and not go anywhere. Yeah, it's Christmas time for you too, baby. All right. Thank you for joining us once again. It's been great. Looking forward to the Masters. Another great weekend of sports, and we masters. will be coming there. He's he, Matt's got his Masters, uh, his Masters sports shirt on. Polo, I, don't know what polo, I think it's a pullover. It's a pullover. Yeah, quarter there zip. you go. Yeah, there you go. Quarter zip. That, that's that's what I was looking for. My aunt, my aunt got it for me. She went to the Masters. The well, it's not like last year, but what two years ago now? The one that Tiger won. My aunt was there, and, and so she she brought me this back. Oh my God. That's so cool. That's so cool. Oh my goodness. I was like, that's the perfect masters to go to. You really picked the the right one to, to go to. You really stuck your foot in it for sure. All right. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back later this week to give you all of our thoughts on the upcoming week of action weekend of action. 
Uh, but until then, stay safe. Wear a mask. The cases are going up. We want sports to stay on. So please, for the Lord's sake, wear a mask. And uh, yeah, Matt, any other advice for our fans? Nothing but uh, cheers, y'all. 